It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And you know what, Horwat? We're called the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. It just makes perfect sense that it's Tip of the Iceberg Tuesday and Tip of the Iceberg Thursday. That's our new release schedule for the time being. We'll let you know if obviously anything changes, but a Tuesday morning podcast episode Horwat how you feeling today buddy I'll tell you what you're gonna throw me off so much for the next month and a half probably with (laughs) doing with having to move the schedule which is which is good I I don't mind it we're gonna get a lot of news to come out on Mondays that we can fire off on on Tuesdays but I woke up this morning sat down at my desk looked out at a dreary gray day in Robinson Township and thought ah Mondays (laughs) no it's uh, it's Tuesday, especially considering nothing happened in Penguins Land yesterday, really. Uh, yeah. It was just a travel day. We found out there's a dad's trip. I find the timing of that terrible. That's just me, though. Um, and I just thought today was Monday. So I'm going to have to get used to this. It's Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. We are a day closer to the NHL trade deadline. We are a day closer than Monday to Tuesday. And you mentioned the NHL trade deadline. That is going to take up the majority of this show, and it will be the back half of the show in the second segment we'll get into all of the moves that have happened over the past 48 to 72 hours because there's been a lot of them a lot of names coming off of the trade market and onto new teams and then obviously we'll finish with our weekly pens poll here on Tuesday talking about all things Jacob Chikrin but before we get into that let's talk about the team that's already in Pittsburgh the team that's under contract on the roster because they heard the wake-up call Horwat and go 2-0-0 on the weekend, a 3-2 overtime win against the St. Louis Blues on the road. And then the next day, less than 24 hours, a 7-3 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning on home ice. Horat, when I looked at this and when I saw this weekend slate, I said this is going to have to be a really good performance from the Pittsburgh Penguins. I thought they got a three-pronged wake-up call. I mentioned it on Penguins to go yesterday. If you haven't listened to it, go back and and take a listen. I talk a lot about Brian Rust. But I said that, and I want to dive deeper into it here. They got a three-pronged wake-up call last week. The bad loss at home to the Oilers, which you have your opinions on, and I'm going to definitely want to hear those here in, in a second. I think they woke up Friday morning out of playoff spot with only a quarter of the season left and said, oh, wait. Like, we're no longer in a playoff spot. Games in hand are kind of going away. And Buffalo and Detroit are right there with the same amount of games in hand. I thought that was prong two. And then prong three came from practice when Kasperi Kapanen didn't skate out there with the rest of the team. He was waived and subsequently claimed by the St. Louis Blues. That's prong number three. I thought all three of those things combining in a 72-hour period, this team got a rude awakening, and they had to answer the bell, and they did. But Horowat, what were your thoughts on the wake-up call, and what were your thoughts on that Oilers game? Because you have very strong opinions. I do. I mean, I'd say that Oilers loss, we didn't get a chance to talk about it because we record Thursday morning. That game was Thursday night, um, and this is our first time back behind a microphone. It, um, I think it was probably the biggest wake-up call for quite a few people, not just the team on the ice, not just the coaching staff behind the bench. But, man, general manager Ron Hextall as well. I think that loss, it, it being 7-1 to one, heading, at, 
heading into the second intermission, 7-1. to one, I get it's Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Connor McDavid just scored his 50th goal last night. He's got like 20 games left. The thing about that game, though, is that it wasn't just Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and uh, Brian Nugent Hopkins leading the way. It was Devin Shore's first goal of the season. It was Kyler Yamamoto's fifth goal of the season. It was the Edmonton Oilers. They have a shallower depth pool than I think we do at times. And they were beating us. Then we see it gets to 7-1. Tristan Jari's still in net. Then here come the fire Hextall chance. I've never, I'm, maybe I'm forgetting something, but I've never seen a Pittsburgh fan base, at least a Penguins fan base, that vocally upset with general with a general manager, with anyone on the team. They were booing Crosby and Malkin, who, were, who have been booed before. Like We've all seen that before, but this seemed different. The vibe in the building was very different. It was very much, I think, the worst loss the Sidney Crosby era has ever seen because of a culmination of so many things that haven't happened this season. Penguin, Penguins fans have been begging for a trade since I said since December 22nd. Mm-hmm. I think since that overtime loss to Carolina when Malkin chased Jacob Slavin behind the net, I think that was kind of the turning point of kind of this downspell the Penguins have been on since then. Um, yeah, they've gotten some wins since then, but not many. Yeah, they the the winning streak heading into that game be damned. They needed a trade because they had already had a six game losing streak in like the starting in the first month of the season. You could tell there were cracks in the ship that needed to be fixed. Then nothing's been done about it. The last trade and the last roster move that didn't cover up an injury that Ron Hextall has done for this team was trading for Jeff Petrie. That was over the summer. He re-signed. Casey DeSmith since then. That's a re-signing that's not an upgrade. He re-signed Kesperi Kapitan since then. That's a re-signing that's not an upgrade. Same with Danton Heinen. And then uh, Jack St. Ivany, minor league guy. He has done nothing to actually bolster and add to this lineup since Jeff Petrie. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm forgetting something, I'm pretty sure that was it. That's many months. This, team, this fan base has been begging for it since before Christmas. Where March 1st is tomorrow. That's three months that this fan base has been wanting something to change and it finally boiled over for the fans they said they've seen enough they didn't care that it was Connor mcdavid on the ice uh i've never seen a fan seen a fan base like this chant like that mm-hmm. um, i was texting you and doug are we getting a jersey toss because i would not have been surprised i wouldn't have been i mean it may have been a little overboard mm-hmm. but i would not have been surprised something to wake somebody up that's all i wanted because now i'm a firm belief that Ron Hexel needs to earn the likeness of this fan base back. He needs to make something happen, something big. That's why when we talk about Chikrin, I'll go deeper into that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a way for, for Ron Hextall to earn the fan base's respect again in the next four days. I don't care what he does. I don't care if he brings in Chikrin and the entirety of the top targets remaining on the on the trade board he's not going to earn this this fan base's respect in one week it's not going to happen uh and he's You're not right, going to he's not he going to save be... his job in one week either i mean yeah. it might be the start of something uh, yeah, but like exactly. i said and we, we talked about it last week he needs to go and the penguins need to take him to the eastern conference finals in my opinion to save his job but that's a discussion that we had previously and might have again in down the future but I think when you saw what happened with the Pittsburgh Penguins on Thursday through Friday and even early Saturday as things continued to boil over, you knew that they had to respond. And this was basically the make-or-break weekend for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's a tough back-to-back situation with travel against a Blues team that, yes, is selling a lot, is probably not a playoff team, but are a tough team to beat at the Enterprise Center, and they always play tough because look at who their coach is. I mean, it's Barube. He's not going to let his team go out there and not try. And then you have the Tampa Bay Lightning, which I think I feel like I need to go on on a rant about the Tampa Bay Lightning, about how dominant their stretch has been over the past three years, and nobody seems to want to talk about it. But still, a very good team this year. For the fourth straight year, they're a serious contender to take out the Eastern Conference and the Penguins just absolutely wiped the floor with them on Sunday. It's a great response by the Pittsburgh Penguins, one that we've weirdly seen over the past two years where the Penguins can handle the Tampa Bay Lightning, but a good response nonetheless. I think the one big thing that I'm going to take away from it 
is the fact that the Pen Penguins' defense, Jan Ruda comes back, plays alongside P.O. Joseph. That pairing allows no goals in the entire game. Ruda leads the team in shot attempts percentage on the ice at 5-on-5 five five at 63.83, albeit with the fewest ice time over the past two games, but nonetheless still leading in expected goals. Or, sorry, um, shot attempts. And they outchanced opponents 17-9 when on the ice. So with Jan Ruda being back, we all mentioned, hey, maybe he should be traded. I said his signing was unnecessary. And I'll hold true to that. He can play lights out. I still thought it was an unnecessary signing. Does not mean I think he's a bad player. And I do think that what he proved to me this weekend is that he is a step up from, from Chad Ruedel. But again, my argument is... For three years, at $2 million more, was he that much of a step up? And does he really help the rest of the defense core that much more? I think he's a fantastic player. I think as a third-pairing defenseman, he's a great spot. I think he's a really good uh, pairing guy for P.O. Joseph. And I think he looked great over the weekend. But I still think when you're looking at asset management, having $2.75 million on the third pairing on the on the bottom pair on that right side when you consider you have two six million dollar plus guys above them that's just a lot of money devoted to the right side that is not quite where it should be for that much capital yeah you, <clears throat> you always overpay in free agency and Jan Ruda might be a situation of that for Ron Hextall but I, I definitely think Ruda is at least a step up from Chad Ruedel especially with the season Ruedel's been having it's just kind of been a, not invisible but um, he hasn't done much mm -hmm. Now with Dumoulin scoring, I think he's the last—he's like the last regular rostered player to not score a goal this season for the Penguins. I mean, that's not saying too much. It's Chad Ruedel, and you could really argue that he isn't a regular roster player. Yeah, but yeah, he's the last. I mean, plus defense, he's the last one to not score, and there's just that to it. Uh, but he also hasn't picked up a, that many assists. I mean, he's only got four on the year um, in 37 games played. Mm -hmm. So I'd say it's fairly regular. Yeah, but. Yeah, I would say definitely Jan Ruda is a step up from that. Mm -hmm. It's not not a huge one, not going to make or break a team, but um, he's at least worthy of the position, I would say, over Chad Ruedel, especially this season. And you, you just overpay in free agency. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the way it is. You make those deals kind of, and then you find out what the salary cap's going to be almost. It's not, I mean, obviously that's not how it goes, but it's... The salary cap staying flat for the last few seasons isn't helping. The salary numbers for the players are going up, but the cap isn't. Mm -hmm. uh, they need something to hit quickly. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I like I, I like Jan Root as a player. Mm -hmm. the, the cap thing is uh, always a different discussion. It is. It is. Um, and I, I like I said, I'm happy Root is back. I'm glad that they can get him back without having to send somebody else down. Obviously, the cap and in waiver pickup helped that out. And it's interesting enough, when you see all of this shake out, and I go over to capfriendly.com, and I go to the main page, how much money do the Pittsburgh Penguins right now have in cap space? About $1.9 million. Ron Hextall said, I wanted $2 million to be able to make trades. I need that buffer. Well, now he has that $2 million, and he can thank none other than, uh, than the St. Louis Blues for taking Kasperi Kapanen off his hands. But the two other things that I want to bring up here about the Penguins' response over the weekend, the defensive performance as a whole. We talked about Ruda, but the defense as a whole was very much improved over this weekend. No defenseman on the team under 54% of the expected goal share. P.O. Joseph was the only defenseman under 60% in expected goals at 5-on-5, five five, and he was at 54.99. So, very good performance in expected goals, you look at the shots allowed, which is where the Pittsburgh Penguins are one of the worst teams in the league this season. On average, 34 shots per game for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year, which is fourth worst in the National Hockey League. At St. Louis on Saturday, they allowed 27, including the overtime period. Against Tampa Bay on Sunday, only 29 shots on goal. Really solid performance from the defense. What did you think of, of them as they tried to respond to what we said happened later in last week. Mm -hmm. that's, that's that's the way you want to bounce back. I think uh, not only were you getting shot like good defense from your defense, you were getting good offense from your defense. Yeah. Again, contributing on a ton of the goals that happened. Um, like I said, Brian Dumoulin scored a goal. 
Brian Dumoulin doesn't score. He's not a goal scorer. He's not a, he's not really an assist man either. But when he scores, there are always bullets. <laughs> yeah. For some reason. That man, don't know what it is. And you can tell that between him and Pedersen, uh, who also scored over the weekend, they've been putting chances on net. Yeah, Pedersen a little more than Dumoulin. <laughs> but they've had opportunities, especially Dumoulin. I see it every home game, it seems. Dumoulin has an opportunity and pass. Either that or over Deeks for some reason. Yes, he's too tall to be doing things like that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's um, every time he scores, it's a bullet. So you're getting good defense from your defense, but you're also starting to get more offense from your defense, which was much needed. But I think – I forget where our defense stood in terms of offensive production, but it wasn't good. Bottom, bottom five somewhere maybe yeah. in the league. Uh, it needed to find a boost more than just Crystal Tang. I mean, <clears throat> we brought Jeff Petrie in here to be kind of – a Mike Matheson light doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the agility, but has a harder shot and can play a little more defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eh. <laughs> we'll see if we still st- he's starting to get it a little more now. He's starting to turn it around, but mm-hmm. uh, need to see it a little more from. Uh, and Pio Joseph comes in with all kinds of speed all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something that he'll grow into over the years. Yandre is not really going to bring that. Uh, Pedersen. <laughs> Is more of a puck mover, but hey, you never know. So, yeah, we just needed guys to play a little more offense. Crystal Tang is really the only standout offensive defenseman here. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's the way that they want to play hockey. They want to get you from the point. They want to get goals from their defense. They want to get offensive production from their defense. That's always been a mantra of Todd Reardon's defensive system, and that's what the Pittsburgh Penguins are trying to do this season as well. Hasn't worked as well, but this weekend, you mentioned Brian Dumlin gets a goal. Pedersen scores a massive goal on Saturday. The secondary scoring as a whole came to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins on Sunday. Jeff Carter, Teddy Bluger, Drew O'Connor, all lighting the lamp on Sunday. It seemed like hell hath frozen over for that to happen. But at the end of the day, I think what we need to do when watching this team and when thinking about this team is pump the brakes a little bit. Because this is a two-game sample size. It is a phenomenal place to start from at this week. Because you're in a playoff spot once again. You've won two games in a row. You're going on a road trip here. Can kind of bring the team together. And you probably should be getting a reinforcement, which we'll talk about later in the show, from the trade deadline. I don't think there's very many people on this team that are really on the chopping block. Because I don't think there's anybody that's going to be valued enough to be traded unless there needs to be salary going out, in which case maybe a Brock McGinn. Who? Maybe uh, a Brian Dumlin. But again, where is their value? That remains to be seen. Um, But like I said, sample size is very important when it comes to trying to break down this weekend and look at where this team is going with about a quarter of the season left. To finish it off on the defense before we talk about the secondary scoring really quick. This weekend, 2.465 expected goals per 60 allowed by this team. That would be around where 13th in the NHL is right now. This season as a whole, they're 22nd, right? Last year, they were 6th. So there was a big regression this season. But this weekend, if you can start to play like you did this weekend, keeping teams under 30 shots... That's the easiest way. I have all these analytic stats. I love looking at them. But at the end of the day, can you keep the, keep the opponent under 30 shots on goal? If you can, I trust Tristan Jari and even to an extent Casey DeSmith to be able to keep you in the game. And right now, that's the mantra the Penguins need to have. Game by game, take it one at a time, get the two points in front of you, and then move on. Because if you try looking forward too much right now, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you're going to get swallowed up by the team in front of you. You need to focus game by game. And I know the team's going to do that. You know Crosby's going to have these guys doing that. But as a fan base, as people that are covering the team, that's how this needs to be approached. Obviously, the trade deadline takes your focus away a little bit. But you need to approach this as next team up, and it's the Nashville Predators tonight, and you need to take it game by game and hope they can stack winning streaks together in the last quarter of the season. Right now, they're at two. Hey, and all winning streets streaks start somewhere, right? Now you can't get to five or six without getting to two or three. Exactly. So it's a long road ahead. Nashville is an interesting test, I think, too, just because of 
UC Soros, I would assume, is going to start in net for them. I don't know what... But they're also... I think we discussed it last episode. They're just one of those middling teams. What do they really have going for them positively? Mm-hmm. Aside from absolutely handing the Lightning the second L of the night. Um, we'll talk about that. I don't, I don't know. We'll talk about that in the second segment. But, I mean, you, you got to just look ahead of you and you hope that the secondary scoring continues. Like we mentioned, Carter gets his first goal in forever. Teddy Bluger gets his first goal in forever. Brian Dumlin gets his first goal of the season. Drew O'Connor, fourth goal of the year. Uh, that man's that man's gonna stay in this lineup. Having a couple, <clears throat> he's putting together a really good stretch of games right now for the Pittsburgh Penguins as a fourth liner. Yeah, that he's gonna stay in the lineup. And the most shocking part of all of that, all that scoring the Penguins did on uh, Sunday, Sunday, on Sunday, all that scoring, all the depth scoring, no less. And Brock McGinn still didn't get a point, man. He did not. <laughs> I that Bluger goal, I saw it squeak past him. I I, I was remember leaning over to Brian Metzer and asking, did, did did it hit him? Did did it get Brock McGinn? Nope, missed him. No, did not. Well, I I think that. It was nice to see that, but make no mistake, there's still a bottom six problem with the Pittsburgh Penguins that needs fixed this week, and Ron Hextall will be tasked with that. I said on the last episode, my hot take, we'll see Alex Nylander the first game after uh, after the trade deadline comes and goes. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the trade deadline because it's heating up. A lot of names coming off the board, some teams overpaying, some teams getting bargains. We'll talk about that after this break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. The trade deadline is three days away now, four days away now. It's 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 getting close, and the names that are available are starting to wane down. Let me just read through some of the trades that have happened over the past 72 hours because they've been a lot of big names and a lot of big prices out there. The Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the Chicago Blackhawks, plus two fifth-round picks in exchange for a first-rounder that is top-10 protected and a second-round pick. They already added Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari, so the Maple Leafs are gearing up for a run. The Vegas Golden Knights acquired Ivan Barbashev, somebody a lot of Penguins fans were looking at from St. St. Louis, in exchange for Zach Dean, which I don't know anything about the Vegas Golden Knights system. I don't know what level of prospect Zach Dean is at, but regardless, uh, one of the few teams in the West that are buying is Vegas. They get Barbashev. The Dallas Stars get Evgeny Dodonov from Montreal for Denis Gurionov in a swap of, hey, here's an older, more proven player for, hey, here's a young player having a bad season. See if he can do better with more opportunity in Montreal. Okay. Boston already got Dmitry Orlov and Garnett Hathaway. That happened on Thursday while the Penguins were getting their head busted in by the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, The Rangers have already gotten Tarasenko in a trade from the Blues and are closing in on Patty Kane uh, really quickly. I think it's going to happen. Do you believe that happens? I bet it does, but if it does, I uh, I think that means the Rangers overloaded. I don't know if I don't know about that. I I think that's a great ad for them. I mean, I excuse me. Go back to uh, Pittsburgh 2013. Think that I think they're going to overload if they add Kane. Was it 13? It was 13 when they overloaded. Yeah. Do you think they overloaded with Aginla and Morrow? Yeah, that's what I'm going with. The 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 year they said uh, FM picks, much like uh, Tampa Bay did for a buddy, oh boy. <laughs> uh, Tanner Janot, um, second-year player from the Nashville Predators, fetches a second, third, fourth, fifth, and top defense prospect, Cal Foote. Oh, Here's the man. thing about Tampa Bay, because 
we've seen this before. They did it last year with Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel. They did it three years ago, I believe was, with Blake Coleman and who else did they add? Why and Barclay Goodrow. Right. Julian Breezebois, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, he circles the guy that he wants, he goes out, and he gets that guy by simply overpaying. And he proves, and I think it's it I think it's a smart move on his part. Yeah, it's expensive for Tanner Janot. But the Tampa Bay Lightning have won three straight Eastern Conference titles two Stanley Cup championships, and are once again threatening to be a player in the Eastern Conference. Why are you worried about second, third, fourth, and fifth round picks and Cal Foot? Well, Cal Foot's probably the biggest piece there, in my opinion. Why are you worried about second, third, fourth, and fifth round picks that won't even touch your NHL roster until 2027 or 2026? When you can go out there and win a Stanley Cup this year, three and four years, I understand. Like, I get it. Who gives a crap? Because they've been so good, and they are so good, that we're going to go out there and get the piece that we want, and has it not worked out for them? Like, has it not? Goodrow and, and uh, why am I blanking again? Coleman backstopped them to two Stanley Cups with the best third line in hockey. Last year, Paul and... It's just they get so many people, I keep forgetting them. But last year, their third line was also very instrumental in them getting to the Stanley Cup again and almost beating the Colorado Avalanche. That went six games. I understand that they know what they want. They trust their evaluations. They haven't hit or they haven't missed on any of these trades. And they're they're selling the farm for it because they know they want that player. That's the player that's going to make them a contender. And they go out and get it. So I, I, I commend uh, Julian Breezebois because it hasn't failed him so far. And why so, not go out there and sell the farm when you, you think you really have a chance at winning the Stanley Cup? Because they have every single year. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I get the I get the idea of just uh, selling everything off in hopes of pulling in what you want for victory now. My question is, name all those players again that they've picked up. Hagel, Nick Paul, Blake Coleman, and Barkley Goodrow. If I'm reading this correctly, at least from the lineup card from last game, only one of those guys is still on the team. Uh, Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel are still there. I'm missing Brandon Hagel. Is he hurt? He might be hurt. I don't. I, I yeah, I don't remember him playing on Saturday, Sunday. But yeah. Oh, he's on the first line. That's why. <sighs> oh yeah. Brandon Hagel's on the first line. Okay, two of those guys are still there. One of them is shockingly playing on the first line. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is me being a little biased against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's, let's throw that in there. But also, doesn't that also... Because it's also who you got. You got Tanner Janot, who... you The Tampa Bay Lightning gave up more goals in the second period alone than he has all season. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. Number two, yeah, he's a bit more of a tough guy. Maybe you need that alongside Pat Maroon and Corey Perry and Ross Colton. I don't know. Maybe you need another guy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But now, in those coming years... You, now you don't have those draft picks to trade again. Yeah. I mean, maybe it handcuffs you a little. I don't know. I, it just It's also because it was Tanner Janelle. It's not like you sent that package out for someone who might score more than five goals a season. I get he had 20-something the year before, uh, but clearly not this year. I don't know. I didn't like the, I didn't like the deal. It was shockingly overloaded. And, uh, hey, you know what? You got what you want. And also, just for the sake of talking about those picks and for what um, the uh, the general manager said, Julian Brisebois, man, if I'm a prospect and I get drafted late round by the Lightning, I'm immediately very uncertain of my of my future. He pretty much said, "You're not going to make my team." Uh, see, he's I, I, I get what he's coming from. I get where Julian Brisebois is coming from. He's saying to the fans, "Hey, I'm getting the guys that can win now." Me and you both do not know if a draft pick can make it. It just kind of uh, runs the morale down of a, of a late-round draft pick for the Lightning in the future. That's all. Like, imagine being in that situation. Hey, you know, you maybe want to try and become the late-round diamond in the rough that we see all the time. I mean, it's not as common, but we do still see it. Um, maybe you think you can be that guy. Well, your GM doesn't believe in you, so good luck. See, I wouldn't say that. I also feel like 
you get drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning, you say, okay, I'm drafted by the best organization of this decade so far. Uh, I'm in Florida where there's no state tax, so I'm already making more money than I would in 90% of other teams. And there is a track record of that organization caring about the people in their organization because you look at who they're trading, most of them are draft picks. Yes, Cal Foot is a really big piece. And yes, it is an overpay. Nobody is disputing that. But when you look at Tanner Janot, people say, okay, well, look at how many goals he has this season. I say, look at what he did last season as a rookie. And also, look at Nick Paul last year. I remember somebody said, oh, Nick Paul to the Penguins would be great. And I looked at them and I said, are you stupid? Like, what, what, what about Nick Paul of the Ottawa Senators seems like a good pickup to you? And then all of a sudden he goes down to Tampa it's something that Breezewan saw. It's something that the scouting department in Tampa Bay saw that would fit with them. And he meshed so well and was really good for them in the playoffs. So I'm not going to be sitting here and criticizing them on overpaying for Tanner Janot, who's underperforming in Nashville. Because Lord knows he's going to be right on that third line, that third line that where all of these players end up going to start. And he's probably going to be phenomenal for the Tampa Bay Lightning because that's just what's happened over the past couple of years. And you mentioned, yeah, only two of those guys are still in the roster. Well, Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow aren't on the roster because they overpriced themselves because they're Stanley Cup champions. Two-time Stanley Cup champions. So I feel like it worked out at the end of the day. Yeah, they got their they got their due. I, I said that and was kind of, and totally forgot when they arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way it is. So, yeah. I also get it, yeah, but, eh, I don't know. I just don't, ah, I don't know. I don't run the team. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like, I didn't full, I didn't fully agree with what he said, but yeah. I also didn't fully agree with the deal. I get, get your guy that you want, mm-hmm. overpay if you need to, because you want to. Yeah. But, I just, at first, before that, before he even said the comment of, we're just going to overpay for our sake, that just looked like a dumb move. It did. So did the Nick Paul trade. So did overpaying for Brandon Hagel. Worked out for them last year. Works out. Worked out for them two years ago. Worked out for them three years ago. So, and uh, someone brought up a good point. I forget where I saw it or heard it. Um, they they know who they're playing in the playoffs. Yeah, it's Tampa. They're or, sorry, they're, it's Toronto. Yeah, they're bolstering up to take on Toronto, who they who now they can just kick the hell out of. Yeah, well, physically, not on the score sheet, but physically. Yeah, we, we started this by saying, uh, seeing who Toronto added. Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari, Sam Lafferty. Those guys aren't pushovers either. No. I mean, maybe they got a little grit and grime from uh, McCabe, but at what cost? I mean, uh, I mean, that really? The, that series, and then we'll move on, I promise. We'll mm-hmm. get back to the Penguins. That yeah, series is with two teams that are blue and white. There's going to be a lot of red on those jerseys. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of red on those jerseys from game one to game. I would expect that to go seven game one to game seven. There's going to be a lot of red, AKA blood. Um, The only other move I want to mention before we get to the Pittsburgh Penguins and who they could be targeting, at least in our eyes, who they should be targeting New Jersey devils get the prize of the deadline. Timo Meyer from San Jose, seven other players involved in this trade. San Jose also gets back a first and second round pick Meyer to the devil's Seemed like it was predetermined, basically. Um, and finally, it goes through, and the Devils get their guy, and they're going to be fun watch. Uh, and if it's them and the Rangers in the first round, which is what it's looking like, even though the Devils have an outside shot at catching up to the Hurricanes, only three points behind, Devils-Rangers is what I want to see. Because that matchup and that rivalry being renewed would be phenomenal. Both teams loading up, Timo to the De- uh, Devils, Patty Kane and Tarasenko to the Rangers. That's going to be a lot of fun. Not to mention the players that are already there. I mean, Jack Hughes versus Artemi Panarin. Oh, phenomenal. Nico Heeshier versus Philip Heedel. Great matchup. So Yeah, it, it's that's that's a hell of a matchup just <clears throat> for these two current teams and like you mentioned in probably in my opinion at least the bigger one. Um get Get that rivalry going again. Yeah. The Devils have not been good for too long and have been kicking around and not being part of a big rivalry for too long. I mean, Mm -hmm. come on. People used to hate the Devils. We used to hate the Devils. (laughs) Let's let's find some fire to have teams not like the Devils again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get them to play the Pittsburgh Penguins in the second round, only for Casey DeSmith to pull off a Frankie Peter Angelo. 
en route to a Pittsburgh Penguins Stanley Cup. That'd be great. Um, but as we talk about the Penguins, let's shift back over to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have yet to make a move ahead of the trade deadline, which comes as no surprise considering Ron Hextall's track record. Two years ago, he got Jeff Carter on the night before the trade deadline. Last year, Ricard Raquel came in about two minutes before the NHL's trade deadline. So we know it's probably going to wait until Thursday. At least we hope so, because we have an interview on Wednesday that we don't want to be outdated oh, by man. Thursday. Uh, but Horwat, a lot of those names that we talked about over the past 10 minutes, off the list, some of them were considered players for the Pittsburgh Penguins to go out and look at. Give me one name that you think should be one of the top targets remaining on Ron Hextall's board. Uh, we'll get to Chicken in a little bit, so I'm going to yeah. go past that and say uh, if if it is true that Tyler Bertuzzi is back on the market, <clears throat> mm-hmm. we could use some depth scoring, and it's not that he offers depth scoring per se. You might be able to slot him into the top six, but he pushes someone down, and that's kind of a key of getting anybody for this team, whether it be a top six guy, bottom six guy, if you get a bottom six, boom, got it. He's in. Bottom six slotted in. If you get a top, you push someone down, and that benefits the bottom six as well. So pretty much any forward in this situation is going to be a solid upgrade. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, how general manager Ron Hextall needs to earn the respect and the loyalty of the fan base again. He's got to go out and do something big. He's got to do a blockbuster because if he sits around and does nothing, I wouldn't be shocked to hear fire Hextall chance again. First home game after the uh, <clears throat> after the deadline, mm. just at puck drop. Yeah. You did nothing to help this team, mm-hmm. and now they have to go with what they have. Like I said, he's done nothing to actually bolster and improve this lineup, barring injury, since the Jeff Petrie deal. Mm-hmm. So Tyler Bertuzzi is a kid that or a guy that, <clears throat> excuse me, should be in the sights again, especially if he is back out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he can give you that scoring. Another interesting piece, I think Brock Besser might just end up staying. Uh, yeah, another... the traction on that has really just slowed down. Yeah, everyone in Vancouver, really. Yeah. Ever um, ever since Jim Rutherford came out and said, I'm done talking in the media, it's all Patrick now. Yeah. Well, that might, that <laughs> no might surprise. Yeah. Uh, Max Domi is also an interesting one and probably the highlight of everyone's Penguins need to go out and get bored. Mine. Dude, uh, yeah, yours, uh, probably Doug's, probably everyone else on the site. Truly, I don't know how much I said it before. Uh, Elliot Freeman, thirty-two thoughts said he doesn't think Domi wants to leave Chicago. So, mm. and Chicago's in you know in real no real place to kind of send off anyone like that. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, r- yeah. Regardless, definitely. anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at those two players, and those are the two names that I have here, uh, Bertuzzi. While I do think the Pittsburgh Penguins need to focus in on a center, especially for the third line, Bertuzzi is an interesting concept because he was off the table over the weekend. Then, of course, uh, recording to Darren Dreger of TSN, because of what the Tampa Bay Lightning got for Tanner Janot, the Red Wings are starting to put his name back out there, and the cost is going to be a first-rounder plus. Now, I don't know if I want to pay a first-rounder plus for a position that the Pittsburgh Penguins even though they need, they need third liners. They need depth scoring. I don't know if that is the preliminary need. I think center is probably the biggest area that they should go after. The other thing that goes against Bertuzzi is, are you really going to play a first rounder plus for a pending UFA? And he has $4.75 million on the cap hit. That's a lot of money for not a lot of promise from Bertuzzi when it comes to solidifying his role with the team moving past this season. And it's a big price. Not to mention the fact that even though he's played well last night, a beautiful assist and a losing effort, but 14 points in 28 games. He was injured most of the season. What are you really getting with Tyler Bertuzzi? That's the big question to me. So with that, that's why Max Domi is higher on my board. The cost has not really been put out there because there are conflicting reports about whether or not he's going to be made available. I think Davidson came out and said, the general manager of the Blackhawks, that, listen, we're, we're going to be stupid to not take offers and listen to offers, but we did not go out and acquire Max Domi in the offseason just to turn around and trade him unless it's worth our while. So he's going to be listening on trade offers. I don't know what the cost is. The, the only thing I could find was that a third rounder would be involved, but something feels off about that. I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but 
The pending UFA only worth $3 million against the cap, 49 points in 59 games. And Horwat, this fun little nugget here, he is among the league leaders in faceoff percentage at 54.2%. And we all know Ron Hextall loves him a faceoff winning third line center. So to me, Max Domi is the preliminary target on the forward side. I do like Tyler Bertuzzi, but I feel like that price for not a lot of promise is not worth the squeeze in that one. So I would go Domi over Pertuzzi. I would go Domi as the top target over everybody, except for the guy we're going to talk about in the last segment. Yeah, I think so too. It's just, like I said, I don't know his willingness to leave. <clears throat> and with what you're getting in Tyler Bertuzzi, um, obviously you're getting the son of Todd who has plenty of playoff experience. Tyler Bertuzzi just turned 28 four days ago. He's an He's played well over. He's played 304 games in the NHL, seven seasons, never a postseason game. Mm. He's never played in the postseason. Um, he's got. He's probably got that hunger. I didn't realize his dad wasn't a Cup champion. I thought maybe he was with Detroit. Got there afterwards. So, he, but he still has that sense of Todd Bertuzzi probably breathing down his neck of, hey, you got to find a team that can get you to the postseason. Detroit can make it probably will next year this year's not certain mm. why not get out there find a contender this year and you know like i just said todd doesn't have a doesn't have a cup ring yeah imagine that family dinner well come on <laughs> i mean that's just a little extra hunger he's never made the postseason first time in and you have that drive it's something new it's you're hitting your prime he's like i say just turned 28 doesn't have you know uh, a lot of prime to give because he's had some weird histories here, but um, coming off of an injury, he's got the drive in him. He's half a point per game right now, which, I mean, hey, Ron Hextall, the first thing Ron Hextall said about Kasperi Kapanen is that he's a half a point game player, which, by the way, no, he's not. Numbers are close, but no. 14 points in 28 games is genuinely half a point per game for Tyler Bertuzzi. Go for it. That's that, That'd be my top just because I don't know about the Max Domi thing. Mm. And whenever I say my top, I mean second. We'll get to the top. We'll, we'll get to the top target, and we're both on the same page with that one. But, you know, two second-generation NHL stars, Todd Bertuzzi's son yeah, Tyler and Domi, obviously yeah. Ty Domi's son Max. Um, but I think the one thing both of these guys bring is a little bit of a truculence, uh, as we say, or peskiness. And I, I think Jeff Merrick said it best a couple weeks ago, the Penguins need some pricks. And both of these guys certainly fit the bill there. I don't know if I'd say that they need to get, what, feisty or frisky or whatever. Um, Elliot Friedman called the 2016-17 Penguins bottom six, which made no sense. Um, but it certainly makes them harder to play against, and it certainly makes them have a couple more pricks on the roster. I don't know if both of them will be acquired. I think that's, that's a pipe dream. But... You say Bertuzzi, I say Domi. Uh, I say either one of them would be an upgrade on on what's currently here. The other center I want to talk about before we head to break really quickly, Nick Schmaltz from Arizona has emerged as a really important topic and a really important target in the NHL. 27-year-old center has 39 points in 43 games this season. He does have a $4.5 million cap hit, but with it comes team control. There are three years remaining on that contract after this year. And that is one thing also that Ron Hextall said he likes is getting players that have term remaining on their contract. $4.5 million for Nick Schmoltz as a 27-year-old. If you're going to pay a haul to Arizona for Jacob Chikrin, just add more and get Schmoltz. Why not? The goalie market is quiet. I don't, I don't think there's anything coming on that front. At least I doubt there's anything coming on that front. You need a center. And a third-line center in Nick Schmoltz. I don't know what the price would be there either. I haven't. I, I looked through a couple different uh, sources, and there was no price that I could easily find or readily find. But I, I feel like Schmoltz, if you can't get Domi, because there are a lot of questions around that, and he's a pending UFA, I think Nick Schmoltz is another option that should be high on, on Ron Hextall's radar. I like that idea. And you want to talk about... Toughness and truculence. I don't know where this came from. I haven't found any solidified reports on anything. Is Tom Wilson truly getting traded by the Washington Capitals? 
where is his contract at? Because I heard that the general manager is looking to sell off his UFAs if he can't get them signed. That's why you saw Sonny Milano and also Strom get re-signed a couple of months ago. And that's why you saw Hathaway and Orlov get traded uh, last week. So I don't know what his contract status looks like. Tom Wilson's got a modified no trade at 5.166 for this year and next. And that's it. See, I don't know if he would be on the on the block. I feel like he's too essential to their identity as a team. Yeah, he definitely is at this point, and you would assume that. But man, we've heard just from multiple people that, because yeah, Doug brought it up to us and saying Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter was going off with that idea, but then it got picked up by uh, Matt Cole on 93.7 The Fan and him tweeting it out. Listen, that, there's something more to this that I haven't found yet. I'm just going to say, and this is also, this one's the, a real probably definitely not going to happen because it's the Capitals and they're not going to trade Tom Wilson. Yeah, that's a tinfoil hat conspiracy if I've ever heard one. Absolutely, but you come to me and you say Tom Wilson's available and is willing to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hey, I'm not saying no. Yeah, I'm not saying no. Ears perk up a little bit thinking about about that. Not going to lie, but I also think even though normally where there's smoke, there's fire, I think this is some false smoke. Probably, but I it does bring it does kind of bring you to well. There's the heated rivalry there. Hey, at trading with a heated rivalry in the middle of a playoff, uh, in the middle of a season before a playoff run has worked before. I.e., Rick Tockett. Yeah, yeah, it, it has. The Penguins traded for the captain of the Flyers. Yeah, they did. I get it was the '90s. We're in 2023, but hey, you tell me Tom Wilson's available. Ron Hextall, pick up the phone. I don't care. I haven't looked too much into this other name. Speaking of trading for captains of teams that you don't like, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets captain Boone Jenner has also been that's, out there. That's an interesting uh, one. An interesting name as well. Uh, I think I would take Schmaltz or Domi over, over Jenner at this moment, but also I feel like the price would be a little bit more fair and reasonable uh, for a Boone Jenner, and he also he fits that need um, fairly well. And obviously, I, I believe better than Jeff Carter. I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a trade target that's worse than Jeff Carter right now. But, I mean, congrats to him. Nice goal on Sunday, but still need a new third-line center. Nonetheless, those are the names that we're looking at. There's probably many, many more names that we didn't get to, but there is one name. Horwat and I's top trade target for the Pittsburgh Penguins with, what, 72 hours, 80 hours to go until the NHL trade deadline. We're going to talk about Jacob Chicken right after the break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, we talked about trade targets. I like Domi. You like Bertuzzi. We both kind of like Schmaltz. We both kind of like Jenner. We think there may be something. You think there may be something. I don't think there's anything with the Tom Wilson stuff. Um, But one person that the Pittsburgh Penguins have certainly reached out about, that have contacted the Arizona Coyotes about, and a report from Rob Rossi of The Athletic on Friday kind of broke this all wide open when it said that Mike Sullivan is very much in the camp of the Penguins need to go out and go after top defensive name on the trade board this season, left-handed Jacob Chikrin of the Arizona Coyotes. Ron Hextall, hesitant because of the price, and I understand that. Two first-round picks and a prospect is currently the price that is being floated out there. We asked our followers on Twitter, do you believe the Penguins should go after Jacob Chikrin before the NHL trade deadline on Friday? 63% said, yeah, you go after Jacob Chikrin. 37% said no for various reasons. Some people saying he's not as good as he appears to be. Some people saying he is 
not worth two first-round picks and a prospect. But I say you pay it, Horwat. I believe you agree. I think this should be the top target. And I think if the Penguins are able to get Jacob Chikrin, then they should get Jacob Chikrin. So I know I just badmouthed the Tanner Janot trade mm-hmm. for a pretty while, pretty long while there. That this is at least a good player that you can overpay for. Mm-hmm. This is at least a productive player that you can overpay for. And much like Tanner Janot in Tampa Bay, it's, it's, it, this is a player that the Penguins need. This is a player that the Penguins could very much utilize, not just for this season, for next season and the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. And then possibly after. He's only... 24 maybe 25 is that number correct oh he's going to be 25 soon the end of the month mm-hmm. um he's only 24 he's young he's got a long future ahead of him assuming he's you know keeps up this ability some people are gonna say that he's not as good as what he's advertised and you know what nobody's as good as advertised on the trade market let's just be honest yeah people are talking about timo meyer like he's mark messier here i i mean he's a good player he's he's gonna be a very good player for the um, New Jersey Devils, but I mean, is he going to be worth $10 million when he signs that deal over the summer? Probably not. So let's all calm down. Everyone's, it's much like free agency. Everyone's a little overpriced. You're going to have to overpay somewhere. And the Jacob Chikrin is a guy you should be willing to overpay for. Two firsts does sound heavy. Um, but if, if Ron Hextall is pulling this patient game and saying, hey, you have no one else to trade him to. Let's say he waits another day and there's still no move made with Chikrin because Jacob Chikrin hasn't played in like three weeks, I think. Something like that. He's been, he's yeah, been, he's been sitting out. His last game was uh, February 10th. Yeah, you think he's happy about that? You think his agent's happy about that? No, someone's got to get in contact with someone here. Get my client on the ice. I don't care where it is anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you come to, I forget who the Coyotes GM is now. Um, I guess I could just scroll up and find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get Bill Armstrong. I almost said Doug Armstrong. That's St. Louis. Mm-hmm. You get Bill Armstrong on the horn and say, my client is sick of sitting. I don't care what your price is. Hextall has an offer. It's a first and a second. <laughs> Plus Nathan Lagare. It- Take it or you're stuck with or you're stuck with Chikrin, who you have to now post-deadline, shove back into your lineup, and then deal with it over the summer. You're going to have an unhappy player. You're going to have an unhappy agent. This is a guy you overpay for if you're Ron Hextall because for the Penguins' sake now, like I said, you can utilize him this year. You can utilize him next year. He's young. Go into the future with him. And he's a solidified top-line left side mm-hmm. that Crystal Tang desperately needs. Mm-hmm. Brian Dumoulin's still there. Guys, that's who he's playing with now. Patterson is a choice, but maybe doesn't have the abilities. Probably won't have the abilities, but as good as, as the middle pair. And P.O. Joseph still just has to grow into that role. There's a lot of things that still need to be fleshed out in P.O. Joseph, so it's not his position. Mm-hmm. And Dumoulin, we're, we're just watching the decline. There is no solid top left left guy here. That's where Chickering steps in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. couple things. One, you mentioned it. If the Penguins are going to upgrade on defense, Chikrin should be the only name they go after at this point. Absolutely. Because the fallback option was Jake McCabe, and he's off the market. The, Another one was Luke Shen. Please no. Luke Shen is too too much is far worse, in my opinion, than both of those guys. He shouldn't be an option. And the only other option, I believe, on the market that would be any sort of upgrade is Vladislav Gavrikov, but his price is too high. And he has not proven it enough, in my opinion. Yeah, right? the, the Gavrikov one is interesting. Like that's, there's a lot going on for that one to that really be worth anything. I I don't understand why he is thought of as, as highly as he is. Right? I I just I don't get it because for what you're paying for Gavrikov, you're not paying that much more for Jacob Chikrin, somebody who's more proven, more offensively gifted. Bigger, I believe. Um, I don't know exactly, but Chikrin is 6'2", 220. And has a better contract. Gavrikov is is coming up on free agency. Meanwhile, Chikrin has two full seasons after this. So, in my opinion, Gavrikov was just too expensive for not enough player. Jake McCabe was the perfect middle ground. He's gone. 
if you're going to upgrade defense, and I think that you need to, because you do need to insulate that goaltending a little bit more. I think Tristan Jari can be good, but you need a better defense like you had last season, which is why they were able to play well against the New York Rangers. At 5-on-5, five five, the Pittsburgh Penguins played really well against the Rangers. Why? Because they had really good defense, and their forwards were able to capitalize off of it. You need a better defense. If you're going to do it, go out and get Chikrin, man. You need help, and the age and the price for the next two years is hard to beat. Think about it this way. At the end of the season, $4.1 million of Brian Dumlin is coming off of the salary cap. It's only $500,000 more to have Jacob Chikrin at 24 years old. Yeah, that's going to come off. Who knows what Zucker's future holds. You, you're you going to have the cap space to work with afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're comparing heights and weights here, they're about the same player. Jacob Chikrin's 6'2", 210, according to uh, Cap Friendly here. Gavrikov is 6'3", 213. There's not much difference there. Yeah. So you have that going for you. Uh, they both shoot left, correct? Is that kind of the big yeah. gimmick here? They're yeah, both left. They both shot shoot left. Well. Um, and like you mentioned, Gavrikov's in the last year of his deal, and it's just one of those players that is getting overhyped right now. Yeah, he's one of the overhyped players. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Chikrin is at least the hype can be there; it can be proven, and it's one of the fallbacks of a player much like John Gibson, almost in that he's played for a bad team his whole career. Mm-hmm. Give this dude a good team. And then let's really see what he can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying John Gibson needs to come home, but <laughs> it's give a player yeah. a good team, and it changes things. Yeah, uh, it would certainly be understanding considering what we've seen. Obviously, you know, Ricardo Raquel comes to the Penguins last season after you know it had been what over 12, 14 months before anybody had actually connected him to the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's been on the trade block for how long? John Gibson has been rumored to come to the Penguins since Matt Murray was still here. So Apparently, and according to David Pagnota, that link is still there. Uh, well, I mean, John Gibson, Whitehall legend, is just... just. Did you know John Gibson's from Pittsburgh? Yeah. Did you know that? I knew that. Did you know, you know that? Vinny Trocek is from Pittsburgh area, too. Did you know that? Man, he'd be a nice third-line piece now, wouldn't he? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know... <laughs> Sorry to pull that string. Oh, oh my goodness. But uh, the last Talk thing... About our... Talk about last summer, eh? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Last thing I'll say here, and I want to get your opinion on this because it includes – it's in my head a hypothetical trade that includes one of Pittsburgh's favorite players right now. Two first-round picks and Ty Smith for Jacob Chikrin, yes or no? See, Ty Smith is where you throw me off. You know – what do you need another left shot defenseman for? You have Chicken for the next two years. You have P.O. Joseph that you can re-sign, and you have Marcus Pedersen. You're right, and Ty Smith is also 24, is he not? Ty Smith, I believe, is 22 years old. Oh, yeah, he's 22. He's younger. Um, That's right, because P.O. Joseph's the older one. And we have Owen Pickering in the wings for down the line, and it's and it's not losing Pickering, which I don't think any of us want to do, really. <laughs> um, ugh. Yeah, I probably take that. I probably grit teeth take that. Um, but that's a move you make because it is a guy who is in your lineup now. As much as Ty Smith probably should be, he just mm-hmm. can't. Um, Chickren's a guy that gets into the lineup now and works and does things with Chris Letang. It's a top pairing defenseman. Yeah, whereas Ty Smith, when he was here, you sheltered him until it was power play time. Yeah, that's Ty- an interesting one. Listen, I like it. I like. To, I love Ty Smith. I think that he has a lot of potential in this league as a potentially top four defenseman. Jacob Chikrin is a top pairing defenseman. There is a gap there. And I understand that you're also paying the two first rounders, but your need for, for Ty Smith kind of goes out the window a little bit when you get Jacob Chikrin. So make the deal, make the deal Ron. Just do it now. If that's, if that's the ask two firsts and, and, and Ty Smith make the deal. Just close your eyes, look away, and hit the button. I, I don't don't like, even it's, stare that down with confidence. <laughs> stare it down, Ron. Two firsts, Ty Smith. Give us Chikrin. We'll give you a third first, and you give us Schmaltz two. Whoa! Deal done. 
Maybe uh, maybe a little far. But two firsts and, and Smith for Chikrin, I, I would I would I would make that deal. Two firsts is a lot, but hey, we'll see. It it's a steep price, but if you wanna upgrade, that's the deal you make. Overpay. Gotta overpay. Overpay. Get on, get, the right, only the don't. only difference is Tampa Bay has always been that one piece away. The Penguins are more than that one piece away, and that kind of handcuffs you for going after a center, which I think is more important. But, hey, if you can do that and go out there and get, I don't know how much Nick Schmaltz is going to cost. If Max Domi is truly out there for a third, then there you go. You have second and third round picks to trade as well, not to mention you could trade, I don't know, Nylander. Could you? A second, All right, a, now. a second round pick. Uh, we're getting a little far, but I'll uh, close with this: second round pick and Alex Nylander back to back to Chicago for Max Domi. Who says no? Oh, nobody says no to that. That's that, a simple one. There the you only go. Thing you got to make work. There's cap. Yeah, that's that's obviously. I mean, three million dollars. You got it. You got to make it work somehow. I understand that, but that's the same with every trade that Ron Hextall is about to make. He has two million dollars in cap space. Maybe that third to a second, they retain a million dollars. There you go. Already fits. Oh, well. This is the trade deadline. This is exactly what happens. And this is the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. We will be back throughout the week with more trade deadline talk as it comes only a couple days from now. See you guys next time. More crazy episode left in us. Exactly. See you guys next time.